Hi, this is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And two teachers talking. And we're talking about uh, teaching English in Japan, uh, the things that drive us crazy, uh, the things that make it difficult, the things that we enjoy. And um, we're all, well, you are all um, back in the classroom or very quickly <laughs> we'll be back in the classroom. Not you, um, Tony. Not me. Not me. I, I'm not. I'm not going there. Um, but um, our topic today is uh, student understanding, not just in, and listening, yeah, but understanding and why that's such a problem. <laughs> it's a problem, isn't it, Charles? No, not at all. <laughs> All my students, they, all my explanations are perfect, and everyone gets everything on the first time. And yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever whenever this topic comes up, it, it always reminds me of that um, that Far Side cartoon. Oh, and yeah. you had this on your door, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, ginger, ginger, <laughs> ginger. Right? What is it? How does it go? The guy says on one pane, says, "Okay, well, ginger." What, what you say. And what the dog hears. Yeah, so it's, like, so it's like, you know, Ginger, I never want you to do that again. This is yeah. the one thing that you can Stop going into the garbage. Stop doing this and what they hear. Ginger, ginger blah, hear, blah, right? blah, 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 ginger, blah, 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 <laughs> ginger. Yeah, I had that um, on the on, on my door. And I, I think I told you this, right? That, you know, it really was, you know, like this, it's, this is what happens for the students, and, you know, I took it off after a while. But I do remember that we were having a, um, the graduation party for the students, you know, the fourth year, of course, the students who are graduating from our department. And every teacher gives a speech. And I always give my speech in English, of course. And after I got done, one of the students who was emceeing said, yeah, you know, whenever Mr. Wiz talks, all we hear is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And blah, 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 but blah, 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 blah. Exactly the same thing. So. <laughs> it was the exact same experience. It was, um, maybe, now it's been like four or five years, but uh, lucky enough to have uh, a little, a mini class reunion with some of the first students I taught here. These were students from a class in 1991. Um, and. Uh, I was like thrown into the situation where I had to very quickly prepare them for study abroad, like in like at one semester. <laughs> so I was it was boot camp, and uh, you know you're sitting around in Tennoji, Isake talking, and he goes, "Yeah, I never understood anything you said, but you were trying so hard." <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, oh man, and you know. The funny thing is, like, you know, after, you know, so that was 1991, 30 years later, I don't know that I've learned how to handle this any better. I mean, um, I, I can kind of figure out why, because in some cases I'm, I'm more accustomed to higher level students. Um, just like so many of us, I fall uh, victim to like you know the the crush of time. You look at the time. We got twenty minutes left. Okay, I need to cram all this in. So you start talking faster, um, and you you know after the fact you smack yourself on the head. It's like, you know, that was a 
You just, no, that's not how you respond. It doesn't, you talking faster is not going to help them learn more. <laughs> this is not how it works. But it's, a, it's a, a lot of that stuff is very hard to unlearn, right? And if there's one overriding idea, is I, I think we just all overestimate our students both, and I'll make a distinction, listening ability and ability to understand what we're saying, because um, those again, are two different things. Those are two different things, and a lot of times, with, you know, the concepts and the ideas that we might think are basic and elemental and, and just rudimentary, for them, it's maybe <laughs> revolutionary, and we just think it's like, well, of course, it's this, and you know this, and you understand that, and a lot of times they don't. And then you've got the actual listening part where you. Like we're speaking right now, just speaking too quickly for our students to grasp what it is that we're saying. And um, there, you know, one of the many myths about this. Well, you know, the Japanese are passive learners and they understand, but they don't speak. I go, no, they don't. They don't listen. They can't listen either. They can't hear. Yes, there's a lot of myths. There's a lot of myths, but I think it's also important to break down this. You know, this general topic of basically we're talking about is why don't they get it? Right? I explained everything. I explained clearly. I gave the directions in different modalities, right? There's written directions. <laughs> there's spoken directions. There's spoken and written directions if they're using uh, YouTube with closed captioning, the automatic captioning. And we have to remember that I – or – not remember, but I'm, I would suggest that there's three components, and you kind of hit on those. The first part is the language part, L limitations in their listening ability. It could be vocabulary. It could be a matter of the speed of the input, right? Then I think that there's um, cognitive parts, is that some students um, might be limited in their attention span or their ability to focus. Um, and I'm including in this part the fact that when a student doesn't understand, let's say, the first 10 or 15 seconds of your explanation, that they might shut down because I don't got it now. It's impossible to follow. I'll just wait and ask my friend what was said. And the last part is cultural, that um, anyone who's been in Japan for a while would understand that there are different rules in the classroom that are followed. Uh, we often talk about the um, inhibitions of Japanese students, the shyness, the lack of asking questions, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that when we talk about not understanding, we have to be sensitive to those three or more aspects, probably more that I'm not covering. So in terms of the cultural one, though, I think, Tony, we talked about this before, and I want to point this out, which is I really don't remember being in a lecture or a class of 35, 40 students, 100, 200 students, any student raising their hand and saying, Professor, I don't understand the last five minutes of your lecture. Could you please, you know, rephrase it? Nobody would do that. Agreed. And I know for a fact that if I'm in a meeting and I don't understand what's going on, I don't stop and say, okay, hold on, everybody, excuse me, stop. You know, I don't get it. You know, can you use simpler Japanese? Uh, so I want to kind of get that out of the way, right? That it's not just them. Yeah. It's not students. Yeah. It's not Japanese culture. It's that very few people actually are willing to raise their hand and say, I don't understand. Yeah, it's almost a universal class yeah. cl classroom dynamic, right? Yeah. Where the, it's like, yeah, you, you don't want to be the person who 
<laughs> the first person to step up and say, I don't get it. <laughs> right. It's just not done. Whether, you know, and it's not just classroom, right? As you said, like a business meeting, the same thing. No one wants to be the dope. <laughs> right. But there's the other side of this, which I want to talk about, um, which is, but we can we can go through with that. But I just wanted to point out that that's a, not a specific Japanese behavior. Mm, good point. It's a very good point. Right. And we have to – it's just natural ego. It's just human ego. No, as you said, nobody wants to be the only person not understanding. There is the other part of like what I really – I think we want to talk about, though, is when they don't get it. And here's the example that's pertinent for me. In every class – Every few every ten minutes or so, I'd say, "Okay, check with each other if you understand what we've just covered or what I've just said, and see if there's anything that you can't help each other with. And if you don't, then you generate a question, get a question, and ask me questions. And I'm always telling them, if you don't understand, ask me questions. I always give them the list of questions they can use, the control language, etc. And I'll be damned if year in and year out." The question I put on my own evaluation assessment is the teacher, uh, something to the effect of the teacher supports students asking questions when they don't understand. And I think I deserve a perfect score in this. (laughs) But, you know, there's usually 20% of the class that gives me on a scale of, uh, you know, let's say um, one to five, Mm. ones and twos. (laughs) And it's that kind of not getting it that is really curious to me. That's something that is clear to me that I'm expressing and communicating that they're not. So I find that really interesting. So we want to approach this talk today from, I think, a variety of approaches. But, you know, the question also becomes, is, Tony, what do we define as understanding or getting it? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's really kind of hard. And I, and I, I don't, and I don't have an answer for that, but you know, just thinking about um, any classroom situation, I think like you, whenever you, you, the teacher's speaking, the students are listening. Um, I think you've got like four possible outcomes here. One, you're speaking and the students understand what you're saying. It happens. <laughs> it, it does happen. I'm not sure how often, but it does happen. Two, uh, they don't understand, but they're afraid to ask. Three, they don't know that uh, they don't understand. <laughs> the most important one. Uh, that they think they got it, but they, they don't. <laughs> and then the fourth one, <laughs> they don't understand and they don't care. Right. <laughs> and the fourth one, I think, is basically triage. Yeah, I you just, just have to say there's really, you know, ordinarily, you, there's really not that much you can do about it, realistically, because right. you know we we have or you, you again we we have teaching loads and so many students, and you know if you're in the position where you can um, open that up and work on it, fantastic, but. Um, if you can't, again, you're, you're teaching the number of students that you're teaching, the number of classes that you're teaching, um, don't beat yourself up for it. You can only meet students halfway or, you know, right, you're, you're, you're better than me and you, and you, and you do a little bit more than halfway. Um, but you can't spend that much time 
and energy with the students who don't care because you're stealing that time and energy away from the students who do. Right. And That's so why. It's tough. It's it's a tough one. But at a certain point, you just have to. There, there's some, there's some cases we just need to write it off. And that's the triage part. But I think yep. there's also one more. Um, okay. And this is the one that is most difficult for me to deal with. And that is the students don't understand and they're only listening for things they think that they need to know for a test. Hmm. And they're not even caring if they understand it. It's just, okay, this is going to be on the test. And what you end up and the problem with it, of course, is the students are not trying to understand. Their attention is completely focused on trying to figure out, did the teacher, does this seem like something that will be on the test? And that totally skews everything. But that's like a separate, I think, podcast to address. It's, just, I mean, it's, it's an interesting idea, and. Um You've seen it, though. You know oh, what I'm course. talking no, about. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I, and I use this two different ways. Um, just Tell I, them everything's on the test. Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I don't say it because that would be a lie, but I say, this is important for your test. And that that, 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 that brings them. It's ringing the bell, and um, you've got their attention. Now, whether or not they're going to understand what you say, you don't know, but at least you have their attention. And two... Um, that effect kind of fades away after the first quote unquote, or at least in my case with a test, because they realize it's like, okay, my tests are not, you know, spitting back facts right. and information. My tests are performance based <laughs> and, and, you know, and initially they're like, you know, especially good students because they're or what have, they have been good students. They understand how to study for Japanese tests yes. and they got it all and they're ready to go. And it's like, okay, that's not going to help you unless you can <laughs> put it into use. And so by the time that the second or the third tests come along, um, they understand what, what they need to do and learn for the test. And when I say, it's important for the test. They understand what that means too, but certainly <laughs> at the beginning, and you know, and, and, and you know, it doesn't. It's it, ironically, it, it, it happens just as often at like what we call good schools as a not so good because you you got students who have excelled at being students in Japan, and suddenly the formula that's worked for them before doesn't quite cut it anymore. Well, I told you, well, you know, we were talking about this for the job I took over for you. Mm -hmm. I really saw that in, you know, the, like the fourth week. Yes. You know, the first <laughs> two or three weeks, I'm like, these kids are incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, half the students turned in the homework on the first day. <laughs> you know, I gave the homework on like Thursday morning. And by Thursday night, you know, the homework is turned in. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's exactly what you said, that these are students who have learned how to excel at being mm -hmm. successful students in Japan. Right. Exactly. And this goes back now. This is part of, I think, the cultural part, though, is that they've been taught. You know, everyone knows this, right? You've been taught to remember things and be able to spit them out. And I just had evidence of this the other day. Uh, in our department, we were interviewing students for acceptance into the department. Uh, it's um, because my school has a thing where students can apply for, declare their majors, like after they've entered our faculty. And they 
decide which uh, department they want to go into. Now, every student in our faculty has to take this uh, 15-week um, English education course. It's an omnibus course. Three professors teach it. So this was a perfect time, right? And my job, of course, is to ask the English question. And so since I knew that every student had taken the class from the th you know two prof other professors and myself, my question was simply, uh, tell me one thing that was that you learned that was interesting for you from the class and it could be either from professor a professor b or prof or me okay and half the students could not answer the question hmm. and one could say that the question was difficult but in other words it goes back to what we would consider understanding right is that the students here silo and they had they took their test they learned what they needed to do for the test. And then once the class was over, they stopped thinking about it. But the thing was, is that at no point in their, in their learning have they learned that, you know, I need to be able to think about what I've heard. I need to think about what I've learned. How does that connect to other things in my life? How does that connect to other classrooms? So this idea about not getting it is a very vast and, you know, it's a huge problem. But I think we may want to focus more on what can language teachers do in the classroom, not on such a grandiose scale or a grand scale, but at a more narrow playing field, I think. Yeah, like, and could, some, some right? specifics and things. But yeah, yeah sure. I just want to mention that it, it's, no, it is, it's just an endless battle. And it's not a matter of reducing your vocabulary, simplifying your syntax, increasing the amount of uh, comprehension checks, for example. It's that you can do all those things, but over the long term, unless we figure out ways to get students you know, really to connect knowledge, they're really not going to be doing what we call understanding. And by the way, there's a, a really good book, um, Understanding by Design, by um, a guy named Wiggins, and another writer. And it's all about syllabus design. And it's a really interesting book and explains how to, you know, design your your courses and your syllabus and the lesson plans, all based on a commitment to, you know, this concept of understanding and what is understanding. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I've read it. I don't remember <laughs> much of it at this point. So there we go. See, proof of, <laughs> proof but it was, of what we're but, no, but I understood it. <laughs> I read it and I understood stood it, but uh, it was a long time ago. And I, right. I forgot. But I remember it being a good one. I remember right, as, soon but, as, as soon as you mentioned the title, I go, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, Wiggins and McFillin or something, I forget. But the idea that that is where you start from. And it was interesting because he, they, the two writers, inverted Bloom's taxonomy and put understanding at the top, right, rather than at the bottom. I think in Bloom's taxonomy, the original thing was first is understanding, and then you get into, you know, all the different levels moving up to, you know, creative use and yep, stuff. Yep, yep. And his, their argument was simply is that, no, all those things are building towards understanding. And understanding encompasses the ability to reuse the material, find connections, understand the general patterns. So what part do we want to look at? I think 
you're, we're looking at, okay, so you have a language teacher in the classroom, and we're primarily, should we focus on like directions might be key or uh, I'm not explanations? Sure. I, th- or- I, think, I think maybe to stay a little bit more general, because it all kind of applies, it's all kind of the same thing, but in terms of the mechanics of what we can do, whether you're given directions or we're um, explaining an assignment or if it's a concept, uh, it's the same dynamic. And I think the way that we should approach it, maybe there's a, so much overlap, we can kind of all throw it all together. Okay. I guess. I don't know. But just in terms, in terms of time, right? Time. Time. <laughs> time, time, time. But... Um, just, just to start off, just like very general, uh, a contrast to what I just said by, by being specific. But um, this is not easy to do, uh, but uh, I would always strive to do this from the very, very first class is uh, drive home the point, now, whether they understand it or not. This is, hard, this is another question. Um, but after a while, they do when they start realizing, they start rewarding students for it. Um, to make your classroom, you know, establish that as a safe zone for mistakes, uh, for not knowing the answer, for not understanding, and for asking questions. This is not something that you do in one classroom. You need to do it every week. You need to do it over and over and over, maybe several times in one class. Um, and when a student does say that he or she doesn't understand, or doesn't know, ask a question you reward that behavior. Well, you celebrate um, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, not, 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 not to brag here, but um, I've, I've had some success with this in a, in a number of my classes. I, I can't say that most, but more than a few, around half maybe. Okay. Um, by the end of the year, um, they are, my students are not afraid to ask me a question or to tell me that they don't understand. It takes constant work throughout the year but uh that's a big step and i think something that i've learned is it's going to happen in the second semester of a year-long course and if you only have a semester course you won't see it the benefits but other teachers will (laughs) right how about it (laughs) yeah i i know i've had like courses where i when i used to teach up in uh Hokkaido. And we would have these uh, like five-week sessions, and then they would move to another teacher, and I'd get somebody else's students. And one one professor said to me, he says, I always know when I get students who have taken your your segment, because they always say, please, thank you, excuse me, and they ask questions. (laughs) But that's funny, because they wouldn't ask the questions in the five-week segment that I was in. And I wonder, you know, what's really going on there. Oh, it's, but, a, it's, a fa- it's a weird thing. And there's, there's so it's many weird... It's definitely weird. There's, and, you know, just, a, just a, a little anecdote, right? So this is, um, this is at a good university. And these actually, this is uh, uh, some of the kids that I'm talking about were um, subjects of the... Of the um, podcast that I did, we, we did the interview with them at the very beginning of the COVID epi- uh, pandemic um, and about how they were going to be dealing with them um, uh, being in class online and so forth and so on. And uh, again, it's just like, you know, it's a fairly, it's a good university, high level class. 
And uh, I just noticed an interesting dynamic. I, you know, finished class and say, like, okay, fine. Any questions? Of course, there's no questions. All right, guys, see you next year. And then, uh, have you ever had an aquarium, Charles? Yeah. You know how you train the guppies to go to the corner when you're going to feed them? I never had guppies because they reproduce too quickly. Uh, they really do. <laughs> but you tap on the corner of right. the, uh, and you train them that they all come to get the food, right? And so it ends. So the clues are all sitting in their desks, you know, erecting, you know, heads erecting. Like, okay, okay, see you guys next week. And like half the class leaves, and a third of the class immediately gravitates to one corner of the room. And blah, 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 blah. And, then, and they're all talking. And, um, and I'm listening. It's like, and I, and I watch. I say, okay, this is interesting. So and it happens again the second week, and I says, so I walked, just walked over. I says, like, so hey, guys, what's going on? It's like, ah, and you know, one of the one of the girls says, I'm, I'm, you know, they they really didn't understand what, you know, what they're supposed to do for next week. Or I was like, well, what's well, that's good. Well, thank you, know, thank you. So so you're. So and, and so these happen to be all the English majors in the class. It's like, oh, so you're the queen of the English majors, huh? And said, okay, so she was the queen after that, and so, uh, and everybody enjoyed it, and you know, and then it, it suddenly became much much looser. So then, toward the end of the class, and I'd ask the queen. I said, so queen. Are there any questions? Do we want to explain anything a bit? Or says, well, maybe you could explain a little bit more about this. Okay, well, I'm going to do that. Again, serendipity, a one-time thing. Maybe a two-time thing. But uh, one of those weird things that you can pick up and use, because, yeah, these kids are, and of course, then I didn't want to chide them too directly. It's like, you, I asked you if there was any questions. Why didn't you ask me any questions? Class? No, that's not, that's not how you're going to get them to relax and ask questions. Um, but little by little, over the, over the year, they, they opened up. But um, was just very fortunate to be able to observe this other behavior that indicated a lack of understanding. So, okay, so that makes me more aware of mm, somehow simplifying or modifying the delivery to make understanding more probable. Hmm. Yeah, well, the question is, how do you simplify because for me, the easiest way to help with understanding is always is to give them a model. Very, right. very helpful. Always. Right. Yes. And like in a writing class, so you say, you explain this is what an essay looks like. And so you give them the model of the essay. The problem with that is that they copy the model. <laughs> exactly. Too and perfectly. Well, that's what they've been taught to do. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, trying to figure out what are the best ways to approach this? And again, I'm thinking about uh, this example you just gave of the, the the young woman you called the queen, right? And you would ask the queen of understanding, for lack of a better <laughs> term. And I'm wondering whether it makes sense to put people into groups and to, you know, usually when we have people in groups, there's, you know, the facilitator, the recorder, right? There's a person whose job is to make sure people uh, ask questions, or et cetera. Is that what happens if one person in each group is responsible for making sure that everyone in the group understands? And then I'm thinking, okay, those people get quizzed on that day. <laughs> <laughs> 
And there are not those people. The whole group gets <laughs> quizzed. But <laughs> the person who's responsible for understanding, that becomes their grade for the day. <laughs> I kind of find the idea interesting, but the problem is it doesn't accomplish what I want because what it does is it creates pressure. Right. <laughs> well, it does. It does accomplish some of what she wants, like punishing the students. It sounds pretty sadistic. <laughs> and it yeah, sounds, well. it sounds kind of fun. But early, earlier, earlier, uh, just in our in, our, in the podcast today. <laughs> oh, come on! It really it kind of. <laughs> no, I understand. No. You know, you couldn't do it, right? But no, can no. you imagine? No, but it's fun to can think. Can you about. imagine saying that's what it's you're going to do? It's fun to think about. <laughs> it's to fun watch to think about. The students' eyes would get so big. But I but the, bet but, you. The, but the point is valid, right? Right. Okay. But you wanted to ask me something? No, no. Because <laughs> yeah. earlier before you, you talked about like uh, putting students in a group and have them you know, re- confirm what their understanding is. And yeah, I think we, we talked before about um, uh, the ways of dealing with uh, teaching online and things. But one of the areas that uh, we can kind of bridge the online thing and the in-class thing is this use of peer groups. It's like, yes, if you really want, you know, if you, if you want students to understand – just like you said, put them into a group. Let them talk with each other. It's like, what what the heck is he talking about? What what are we supposed to do? What is this? And let them help each other either to give the information, which needs to be checked because a lot of times the most assertive person is maybe the person who doesn't have the, the best <laughs> interpretation of what they're supposed to do or what you've said. So you need to check this and reconfirm it. But um, to use those peer groups... Um, either between stages of the class, and it's like, okay, we're moving from this to the other, going to groups like three or four minutes, I says, like, just check with each other. Um, and for question formation, you know, it's, like, it's like your group put together a question. Um, you can do the same kind of thing, for example, at the end of class. Again, it takes, again, what can the teacher do? A little more discipline, schedule you to end your class with enough time to put the students in the group, okay. Um, I want each group to be able to tell me what the main point, two main points, three main points of today's class was, and then what do you what are you supposed to do for next week? Um, and it, it's great because the um, however they do it, uh, explaining to each other or questions for each other, um, even if the like for example the queen queen of the English majors, um, the exp- explaining itself reinforces her own understanding. So you're not just using her as a, a free TA. Um, the, her actions and describing and teaching, as we all know, you, <laughs> there's no way to learn something, no better way to learn something than to have to teach it to somebody else because you learn very quickly what you know and what you don't know. Um, and it's um, really useful for question generation. So when you've got the groups that are working together uh, to confirm their understanding or to find out that they don't understand, um, that dynamic, that situation, you're many times more likely to get questions than you are when you as a class, you, st- you st- stand up there and you say to the class, are there any questions? It's like a you're never going to get a response, right? right not never, you- not never. But when you've got the groups, and it's like, okay, let's let's ask this question, and then you know, among themselves they decide who's going to actually be the poor sucker who's got to actually say the question. But it's it's a group, and it's not an individual, and you're much more likely to get it. And 
if one group, and as I tell them all the time, if it's one student doesn't understand, it's you're never alone. It's 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 always like fifty percent of the class. So your questions are not only helpful for me, but it's helpful for the class, etc., 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 etc. But when you have the group, it's like the one group is a question. It's like okay, boom, and the next group is like, oh, that was our question too. Um, so that use of peer groups in any way, I think, is a huge help if if your goal is to make sure that they understand. It takes time, it takes practice, but over time, when the students get used to it, it can be it can become very efficient. They they understand, okay, this is question time, bam, 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 bam. You can make that time shorter and shorter as the semester or the year goes on. Hmm. Well, one way that I've changed my attitude or approach in using groups that way is I pretty much for a long time, and especially in Zoom, put people into breakout rooms every 15 minutes, let's say. And it creates a nice little break in the class. And I say, okay, review what's gone on in the last 15 minutes. Check with each other what you understand yeah, or yeah, don't yeah, understand. Yeah. But now I say to them, use Japanese if you want. I mean, it would be ideal for them to use English, but that's pretty high-level English. And I say to them, if you're more comfortable, you want to check your understanding, use Japanese with each other. And because now I want to make sure everybody understands. And that's just going to save me a lot of time answering questions by email. But the thing that is so true is that you should always start a class and end a class with review. And this is something I think a lot of teachers might not do. And I remember it was Paul Nation who said that the most important thing you can teach is what you already taught. Right? Yep, <laughs> yep, know? yep. That's nice. And so, you know, I start Recycling every class. is so important. And we, yes, yes. You just give so little time to it. Right. So all my classes always start with review. They go into breakout rooms and they have, you know, their questions of, you know, what did we do in the last class? Um, right. What did you learn from the class? Um, how could you l- use what you learn in other classes or in your life? What was the homework and what were you supposed to have ready for today? So those are their four questions, and they know that they have to do that. And then we do that at the end of the class, same right. thing. So, But the point is that that's, there's 80 minutes separating those two things. And if at the end a student doesn't understand, they have 10 minutes to get to their next class, and there's not enough time for asking questions. So I think breaking up your class into, you know, different time segments of about 15 minutes, and especially given students' attention span, especially online, doing something for 15 minutes, say, okay, now you're into groups, go into your groups, make sure that you understand, you know, what are the key things from the last 15 minutes. And then the second time you do it, what are the key things from the, f- the last segment and the segment before, then you do it again, let's say at 45 minutes or an hour, you know, and you could do this in 20-minute segments, but you keep building on that yep. so that it's reinforcing the material. And you keep moving them into different groups to do this. Yep. So they're getting feedback from different students at all times. And then they're also finding out just in case they may have missed something or not noticed something or another student noticed something important. So what you're basically doing is you want to do this about minimally, I think, four times in the class. You know, at first, beginning of the class, end of the class. So you've got a 90-minute class. So do it at about, you know, the, you know, 35-minute mark, 
or the 30-minute mark and the 60-minute mark. So you've got opening review, then you've got a 30-minute review. If you don't have that much time, you have a 60-minute review, and then you have the review at the end of the 90-minute class. And they've gotten four reviews and covering of understanding. That is something that's going to help. The problem is you got to be really disciplined to do that. Yeah. And you've got to really watch your time because basically what happens is like almost anything else that we teach is like, how many times do I have to (laughs) drill this into you? For example, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. And you just getting them to remember and you, you know, the echo question takes, you know, half the semester and it's, uh, you know, it's really something you have to do and it gets tiring and it's like, oh God, I don't want to have to say this again. I don't want to have to do it again. But there's just certain things that have to be repeated, repeated and repeated, you know, that, so that it actually becomes a habit for them. Yeah, and your word, really dis- your word discipline permission. says it all, right? Discipline is really, it's, it's work. <laughs> yeah, and it's tiring and it's irritating and... uh you know, but it's not just a, something that happens just in teaching. I do remember when, you know, my daughter was little and, you know, teaching her to always say, thank you, you're welcome, please excuse me. It just, that took years to just drill that in, right? And um, drilling in is not a bad thing, people. <laughs> you know, some things just have to be repeated until they're, you know, automatic and... That's part of the thing for understanding. But I think that putting them into groups is key, Tony. That's what you said of getting them there. Um, The other thing that you've done, and I will do this too, is if I have a student and let's say they're kind of like the king or queen, for lack of a better word, of the English class, right? And there's somebody like every two weeks I might say, hey, you know, Taro Kun or, you know, Naomi Kun or whatever you want to say, Nanachan or whatever, you know. You say, hey, how, how do you feel like your fellow students are doing? Anything you think that I could do better and make more clear? And you get feedback from them. So, again, this is the big key is getting feedback about how much they're getting or not getting. Yeah. And I really am bad about this because I ask for feedback so far away from the original moment when I needed to get the feedback, mm. right? You know, so for example, if you give students, let's say, a midterm and a final, and you're using that to check for understanding, you know, um, formative and summative evaluations, et cetera, et cetera, you know, it's too late yeah. to find out that yeah. they haven't learned. So yeah. Yeah. there has, right, there has to be some kind of immediate, quick, you need some feedback. kind of heads. You need some heads up, like weeks in advance. It's like, well, no, you like need. Well, I'm going right? to argue. I'm going to actually argue. I think you need the heads up indicators every twenty minutes or thirty minutes in the class, because my mistake, and I think you know, we've talked about this before, is I think that they're getting it. I think that my explanations are perfectly clear. You know, and of course they're they're just looking at you. You know, it's hard to do do in a podcast. But when I talk to students, I say, "Hey, you know, you have to give me feedback. You have to tell me if you don't understand." And then what I do is I say, "This is what a student looks like when they understand you." And you know, you just you know look at the teacher students, and you have your eyes open. 
and you, you don't move, and then you say, and this is what a student looks like when they don't understand, and you show them exactly the same facial expression. <laughs> There's no feedback. So part of what I try to do, and I'm not always successful at this, is teaching students to give me some kind of indicator or feedback that they don't understand. And here's what I've learned is that they're not going to give me that indicator most of the time. Don't you, didn't you um, integrate one or more of the, the Zoom features uh, where they could, you know, like really fast question. It's like, I get it. I don't get it. Like a hand showing or something. Didn't, weren't you I, I using do that. some of that? I asked them, I'll say, okay, how many of you understand you know, what I've talked about. And, but the problem is, is that most of the time they raise their hand, you know, they give the thumbs up, right? Right, right. They and then they, I, they turn in their assignment and it's obvious that they didn't understand the direction. Yeah, that was my thing. Like, yeah, they think they understand they don't. Right. We're going back to that again. So the question is, and I'm, this is what I'm struggling with, is my approach is obviously wrong, right? You can't ask students to. Yes or no, do you understand? Yes or no, do you understand? So there has to be, and this is what I meant by the feedback, there has to be some kind of thing that they do which provides them with the understanding that they got it or didn't get it. You know, if you uh, to, to follow up with like your, like your thread of sadism, what? Um, when you have a <laughs> thanks, Tony. Now I've like, like my whole reputation's been ruined. With uh, but with smaller classes, right? Or with uh, classes that um, are game, right? Um, you might establish a precedent. This is a thing. Well, not instead of the group things, it's like well, okay. Toward the end of class, um, I'm going to choose a volunteer, <laughs> no, <laughs> and our no. volunteer will explain to the class no. what we did today, what was the main points, and what we got to do for next week, or, or break that up among three or four different people. Uh, no. And with the right class, that can be fun, right? Uh, but you have to be <laughs> obviously you have to be careful. You don't want you know to put somebody on the spot who's not ready for it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But for the right group, <laughs> that can be a lot of fun. Well, if but that goes back to that building of trust. Mm-hmm. And it works in a small class, maybe of 15 students. Like that, yeah. Like but it's that. not going to work in 35, 40 no, no, student no, no. classes. And it also depends on that classroom dynamic. And, you know, I'm just going to go back to what you just said. There's, I don't know if there's a gentle way to do this. I mean, or let me rephrase. There's a gentle way to do it, but it takes so long. Uh-huh. Right? And... You know, that you look at it and, you know, I, I think I, I learned this with uh, the the school I took over for you, where I, I talked about this before, where I gave them the abstract concrete language activity. And I explained, here's some abstract language. I had a good weekend and I we went through abstract concrete language and I said, rewrite these. And 90% of the students failed the, the exercise. Sure, sure. Right. And... These were, again, as you pointed out, these are students who have just been massively successful academically. They've never gotten an F in their life. And what I saw was they just kept saying, when can I do the exercise again? I want to resubmit the exercise. I want to resubmit. And they weren't wanting to resubmit the exercise because they didn't understand most of them. They wanted to resubmit because they wanted to improve their grade. Their grade, yeah. So... There is the part of me that wonders, how can we use that 
as a tool to ensure understanding. So, because a lot of the assessment instruments um, that teachers use, let's say vocabulary, what's this word, you know, match the word to the definition is not an understanding task, right? That's a, let's say, recall or recognition, depending on which way you want to approach it with vocabulary. Having the students use the word in a creative way, and that requires them to think about how to use the word is different. But again, you get into the time problem. So it's a big one, right? So what I'm really most focused on right now, actually, is my concern that the students are not understanding directions. You know, um, that's just, and I know I'm kind of circling back to this and this topic of understanding, which is just, you know, what is it? It's really, it's the elephant in the room. Yeah, you mentioned, you were talking about this specific, almost specifically about 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago. And this is like, well, how do you make it easier for them to understand? And again, this this requires discipline and it, it goes against a lot of what, I want to think <laughs> that I'm doing in the classroom, but how to make it understandable? Um, of duh, speak more slowly. Um, shorten the sentences. Numerate your points. Number one. Number two. Number three, um, as part of most of my class, I, I take note-taking skills. I, I teach them note-taking skills. It's a one class. Some of them it's some of them get it. Some of them don't. Some of it sinks in. Some of it doesn't. But helping them out and delivering when it comes down to your summary uh, of what you want them to get, whether it was whether it's the actual content uh, of the class that you just did, or whether what is that you expect them to do for the next class. Just spend some time and pare that down and make it as stupid simple. And I don't mean, I don't, I'm not talking about the students being stupid. I'm talking about the explanation. Stupid, simple way possible. Keep Sh- it simple, stupid. Short sentences. Anyway, one. <laughs> Read pages 53 to 56. Two. <laughs> Write a summary of pages 53 to 56. Summer, a summary is... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an example. Right. Four, <laughs> prepare a short oral, oral summary of the pages 53 to 56. You, you will... <laughs> explain these pages to a small group in class next week is <laughs> is that painful yes <laughs> it is painful you want to guarantee that the students understand what they're supposed to do that's what you got to do <clears throat> yeah but that's I, the job hey um they will you will you will have taught and they will have learned um, it's not as fun as we would want our classes to be all the time. Um, but if we do that enough, 
um, then I think there, there are other parts of that will come. Um, and a, lot, a lot of it is like what you talked about, you know, again, your word discipline. Yeah. Discipline in breaking it down. Discipline with time management, you know, leaving time at the end of the class for this kind of review. And, you know, several times during the class to put people into groups and confirm understanding. Um, at the end of class, a grand session at the very end, make sure that everyone knows what it is that they're supposed to do. And then, you know, um, and this was actually a, a mandate at one of the schools that I taught at. Um, <clears throat> and your class, this was from the Trinity Corner, and your class 10 minutes early. Leave time for questions and discussion because they're not going to ask questions during class. You're going to end class, and they're going to come to you and so say, if you're lucky, they say, I have a question. Leave your time at the end of class every week for students to talk to you, quote-unquote, after class. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and some some schools use it, and other students are like, okay, we're done 10 minutes early. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's just how it's going to go. Uh, the thing I was going to suggest is a little bit different, not talking about you know leaving the time at the end of the class, but I think that's an important thing because they have 10 minutes to get to their next class. Right. You don't you want to be minutes minutes to like rushing through. Blah, 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 blah. You know, their right. bell rings. So, yeah, there's one more thing I want you to do. Blah, blah, blah. Not, what are you doing? Yeah. You're not doing well, nobody yeah. any good. Nothing any yeah. good. No. Yeah. The other thing to do, and it makes sense completely because I think a 90-minute class is way too long, is yeah. at the 40-minute mark, Give the students a 10-minute break or a five-minute break and say, take a break. If you have questions, this is when you ask questions. And do the same thing at the end of the class is another way to go. So those are options. But I think um, I want to toss something else in, Tony, and kind of jumping away from what you just said. But it's something that I found really helpful. And I have to keep reminding myself is that instead of giving definitions or explanations give examples they really will understand things much more quickly so i can give an you know a definition or an explanation of what's a summary but it's much better to say okay here's an article here's a summary examples and models are Are, the way to go right right and it'll save you so much time it'll increase understanding so much better uh you know i find myself always giving definitions of words or something or, you know, examples or, um, and for example, uh, the student says, well, what is S quality work? What is a quality work? Well, and I could say, okay, well, S quality work means that you have all the requirements for the proper rhetorical structure. Your paragraphs are logically constructed. Uh, it has cohesion and cohesive coherence, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, their eyes are glazing over, even though, you, <laughs> even, even though you've taught them everything. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You've taught them all these things, right? And you say, okay, a perfect paper is coherent. It's cohesive. It's logically ordered. Paragraphs are structured in the proper way, and they'll still say, "Well, what's cohesion? What's coherence?" It's like, okay, I've covered that. For, I did that <laughs> for three weeks. But if I say, "Here's an example of an S paper. Here's an example of a B paper. Here's an example of a D paper," they get it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they interpret it and they find the things that they're looking for. But the key thing here is when we talk about understanding is that 
I'm trying to find the exact way to phrase this. There's an incredible amount of variability in what the student considers understanding. We we went back in, right? That there are the students mm-hmm. who are, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And there are students who really, truly want to grasp the deep level concepts, for example. They really want us to do that. But mm-hmm. I approach it always as this monolithic thing that understanding is. You can do this, this, this without accounting for the fact that, hey, you know, students are coming at this with their own interests, Right. So the example would be if I show the students what a S paper is, a A, B, C, D paper, for example. Right. I have to account for the fact that students are going to be looking for specific things like the student who's asking what is an S paper might be saying, really saying, uh, can you I need to know how important paragraph structure is or I need to understand how important when I make a claim providing supporting evidence and details is because often they don't know either. They don't know what they're asking for, what they're interested in, or there's something specific that they're looking for that they don't know how to articulate. Right. They don't completely understand what they do and don't understand. Right. And where the holes are and what the priorities are. Sure. Right. Yeah. And the point is by definition, understanding would indicate, you know, where the gaps are. Mm Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is, is that we're struggling with this, you know, (laughs) multi-headed beast, a hydra, and we need to, or I still try to use checklists as often as possible, right? And so, for example, let's go back to writing a paper, an essay, and on the checklist, it would say, uh, I understand what a topic sentence is. I understand what a supporting sentence is. I understand what um, a detail and example sentence is. And then underneath it, you kind of have just the bill, a little quiz question, which is put these into the proper order. Topic sentence, supporting sentence, detail, example sentence, right? Mm-hmm. And so I find that checklists are good, but I then end up f- having to figure out Okay, this is what I consider key for you to know, but it might not, again, be answering the, the question or helping the student find the gap in their knowledge that they're trying to fill. But overall, I'm going to suggest that, you know, making a checklist of what you think the students need to know and then using checklists might be the best way to go and using that also as, a, as an exit ticket. It's really, really useful. I just, I would just caution uh, folks to be very careful on how the questions are asked. Make sure that the answer, your the answer that you're getting, really means what you think it does. You really have to be careful with the question. And it's like, it's like, do you know what is? It's like, well, there might be a better way to ask this the is- question to ferret out exactly what it is that'll give you better information. Right. So what you, I I think, you know, that's so true. Because again, you have the same problem. Right, exactly. You don't understand. Oh yeah, I understand. No, you don't understand. (laughs) Obviously, from what you wrote down below, (laughs) you have no idea what a supporting sentence is. Right. So basically, (laughs) I think what you have to do is give little quizzes, exit quizzes. Yeah, like that, like that. 
Right. And, and, it, and not necessarily for grading, right? But it's right, like exactly, the exit exactly. task and have them like compare the reactions with each other. Right. And let them and teach so, each other. Yeah. And so here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of doing this semester. I've been thinking about this is that at the end of every class, I'm going to have like a little exit quiz. Zero stakes exit quiz. Exactly. That was my next it, point. Yeah. Right. Brilliant. And then they just compare the answers. And I say, yeah. make sure you understand these because when we start class next week, there'll be a quiz on this stuff. So and if you don't understand if there's any qu- confusion in your group, put together, get, choose a leader and ask the question. Right. So here they've got now they've got the incentive. And then I'll give a sample question. Right. So let's say I'll say, why do in the, why why okay in this class why does a paragraph always start with a topic sentence or what is the reason for the rule of 12 i've talked often about my rule of 12 right no sentence longer than 12 words so what you can do is your quiz checks for understanding and honestly to check for understanding is to say what's the thinking behind this what's the reason for this why do i say this um give me um a you know the reason why this is required now if you just do multiple choice a b c or say which is a topic sentence you're not going to get so much understanding but if i say what are the two parts of a topic sentence and the student writes um topic and controlling idea, I go, okay, they now get what are the two component parts. And then I have to say, okay, what does the controlling idea do? So you just, again, as you said, Tony, you have to phrase the questions well, and then have the students self-check their answers. And if it's a, a low point review thing, Right. It's like if, you know, the total amount of points available in the course are a thousand points and that quiz at the beginning of the next class is 10 points and they're self-checking, they're not going to cheat so much and they're going to use it as a means for self-checking, I think. Right. So, you know, I think I'm going to do that. I usually have some kind of a review quiz at the beginning of a class. But now what I think I'm going to do is the zero stakes quiz at the end of a class so that they know what they need to go over. Hmm. Right. And the other thing is that's really important for understanding is that there's a there's just the memory problem, right? They don't review. Well, yeah, and, and you know, again, just going back to like the structure of the the edu- you know the educational system here, um, they don't review. They've got sixteen classes, a lot of freshmen, right? <laughs> sixteen classes a week, different sixteen not not sixteen sessions, but sixteen different subjects. Um, yeah, that's a big ask. Yeah, they have too much to keep track of, and they don't take notes. Yeah, and they don't and, take notes. And the problem is, is that because they would never, if they, the, they took notes, I mean, it would help them remember, but they're never going to have time to look at their notes either. Yeah, well, you have to teach them note taking, right? Yeah, and, I do. Um, that. But that's why it's really important to teach them a note taking system. What I what I do is exactly. In my classes, so you take notes for the review, for reviewing to make the notes right. useful for sure. Right. You know, I talk about knowledge management systems at the beginning of each class. And I say, you know, your notes are basically useless the way you take notes because, and then I explain that notes have to be um, searchable. They have to be retrievable, et cetera, et cetera. So something, especially like the Cornell note system where you explain, it's like, Hey, you can just look for the key words. And if you can't remember anything about the keyword, you can look at your notes. There you go. But the flip side of this 
is that students always say, well, all my, all my other teachers give us all the handouts for what we're supposed to review. And then I say, okay, yeah, how much of that do you – show me your handout. And they'll give me the handout and I'll say, okay, what's this? And they'll go, huh? <laughs> it's And you try to explain to them it's because you're not actively taking notes. You're not actively engaging with the material. So there's things we can do. I think, um, honestly – the most important thing I think that every teacher can do, and it's going to help every other teacher, is start off your first session with a note-taking session, explaining the importance of notes, give students different ways to take notes, and then make sure you have students take out their notes, show you their notes week to week to week. And if you're doing it, and Tony, you're doing that, and the other teachers are doing it, pretty soon they'll do it. But let's be honest, the biggest mm. problem we face is, as you say, is they have 16, 15, 16 classes a week. And you're probably the only teacher, or maybe one of two teachers that they have the entire week, who are requiring them to review, check for understanding and take notes. Right. It's not an across the curriculum thing. Right. You're so not give, yeah. uh, give them a break. You know, so it, that's the point of why you have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Because that's the only Everything. place they're getting it. Right. And so for all the teachers out there, help each other out. Make sure that you teach your students note-taking. Nothing is going to help with understanding better than note-taking, I think. Because then the student can look at something and say, Sensei, I don't know what this means. <laughs> I, yeah, I always I always preface when I, when I would do the note-taking classes, I always preface it by emphasizing that this is not for my class. This really is not for my class. <laughs> I'm not teaching you content. This is something so you can use it in this class and it'll help you. But this is really for your other classes, for your kind for your science classes, for your math classes, your history classes, whatever your liter lit classes. This is where it's going to really help you. But no one else is teaching this is really important. We're going to do it in English. It's going to help your English. But this is not something that's specific to English or to my class. Yes. Yeah. And give them options on the different note-taking systems, whether it's mind mapping, Cornell notes, outlining. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I had, a, I had a whole slew of things, and, including some off-the-wall stuff that was really kind of over the top. But it was kind of fun, right? Mm. Well, I did that because I have this independent English learning class, and it seems like, okay, that seems to make sense. I need to teach note-taking for this class, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I really you know, spent a good one to two classes working on note-taking systems. And the feedback I got from the students, half the students really appreciated it. And the other half was like, I, I don't need to take notes. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, okay. they just didn't get it. Yeah, this is the, I don't know. Okay, you didn't get I don't it. Care. Yeah. Okay, right, right, right. I don't care what you're saying. But um, again, I think for understanding, getting them to take notes and then having them share their notes in uh -huh. small groups, right? Yeah. You know, okay, share your notes. Now see if you missed anything. So those are some <laughs> suggestions for understanding. But the key is day in, day out, week in, week out. You got to keep hammering at it, hammering at it, hammering at it. Review at the beginning, review at the end, right? Create some review spaces in the class itself, during the class itself. Give them a chance to check with each other. Don't be adamant about staying in English if you're really looking for understanding. Um, being able to explain what they heard in Japanese, that's a, a good um, 
exercise in understanding if they can explain in Japanese what they heard in English. Yeah, it's very, pretty very, very useful, especially for right? like lower-level students, right? And it's going to save you a lot of time and pain and, and hurt. <laughs> right? Frustration, right? Like, why did the students submit the wrong paper? Okay. Anyway, I think that's enough, Tony. We've gone on for We did good. Week. We did good. We So we really addressed like the, the understanding part. Uh, we didn't get into the list, the actual listening itself, and maybe that's like enough. That's for, another episode. It's another think. episode because... Um, you know, yeah, if you can't, if you, if you can't hear, if you don't understand what's going into you, there's no way you, you the, the words, there's no way to, to, to deal with the ideas if, if you don't have the right. words. But, um, so, you know, just to, just to mention that, yes, listening is a, a real big part of what we're talking about. It's but, like most uh, of it. An, another <laughs> chapter. Yeah. That's another day. Right. Um, well, we're just talking about here are some tools so you can figure out whether, you know, what level of understanding are you getting? And, you know, an immediate kind of tool, set of tools that you can implement right away that can help make sure that students are understanding more of what's been said and discussed or talked about or required in the class. Mm. Okay. Time to wrap? Wrap it. Wrap it. I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. We're two teachers talking at two teachers talking something, if you ever want to get hold of us. You will find us. You will find us. We are out there. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, another crazy semester beginning. People in yes. all different kind of situations, in class, out of class, remote, unknown, etc., etc. Uh, and we plod on. Uh, the fall, though, is easier, right? Got some holidays. The weather's cooler. Got the winter break. And uh, one way or the other, the end of the semester will come. So hang in there. Good luck to you. Good luck to your students. Okay. Thanks, Tony. All righty. See ya. Bye. <laughs>